everyone. Welcome to the Filmmaking Sucks podcast. Where we tell you about all the mistakes you can make when producing a film and, and how to avoid them. And the mistakes we've made. And the mistakes we've that we've done. made and the lessons that we've learned, which is we've the new the new intro. Today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and part of this lesson, we had an audience is our, is our very special, special, wonderful guest, somebody we've been listening to their show to his show for two or three years. Uh, how long has this show been on exactly? Three years. About, about three years. Okay, okay. so I'm going to say two to two and a half years because I think he was about episode 15 or so, 10 or 15 when we when we found him. So um, you want to introduce him? Go for it. No, but you can introduce you me, him. You, you, you already alone, got halfway so. through, so. Uh, Mr. Alex Ferrari, the host of Indie Film Hustle podcast. Say hello, sir. Hello, sir. You guys are awesome. I love you guys. I just absolutely love you guys. It's, it's, this is awesome. We're we're just chaos on wheels, and we just embrace yep, it. So it. really, that's just roll with it. I, I can tell. I can tell. This is just it's like hurting wet cats. It's fantastic. <laughs> wet cats. They're wet. Oh, I thought you said webcasts. Webcast. Webcasts. Because no, cat. we're on the web. No, wet. Wet. Ca- hurting wet cat. Wet cats. Wet cats. Okay. Well, wet. Okay. We always say hurting cats. Have you ever tried hurting? Have you ever tried herding wet cats? Not not easy. <laughs> we've no. always we've always called it herding cats. Yeah. But I like wet, the wet cats. Wet cat. You know what yeah. it is? It's a California thing. They don't have much rain out there, so oh. Oh. when it does we rain, pray it's for just it. hell on wheels. <laughs> oh my god, it's insane. People like lose their mind when it rains. People like I I, I, I swear to you, there are certain people I know that won't leave the house. Wow. They That's just crazy. It's, it's like they're like, I can't, I, I can't go out. It's raining. <laughs> wow, dude! No joke. It has literally been raining almost two weeks straight here. Yeah, I think uh, we had we like kill. one day of sunshine. Oh, we've been yeah. right now. It's like ninety-five or a hundred right now yeah. outside. It's, I haven't seen a cloud in months. Oh my god! Half the state is burning down. All you, all they need is rain right now. And <laughs> oh, it's all going god, the opposite direction some rain right now. You know, how far are you from those wildfires? A little off, but how far? Very, how far exactly are they? Very. Okay. Uh, okay. They're up north. They're, there's like thousands of them, so yeah. I can't really. T- I don't even t- t- know where they are, but they're nowhere near us. Okay. Last year, though, last year we actually. I was. I mean, from my house, I could see the fires wow. coming over the mountain. Like it Oof. was. It literally looked. I mean, you could drive the. There's pictures of, you, of us of people driving on the 405, mm-hmm. and um, and you could see like wow. it literally looked like you were driving in hell. Wow. It was insane That's how close crazy. it was. That's insane. But I, people, yeah, people from the East Coast call me up like, "Are you safe?" I'm like, "Dude, if the fires get to me, L.A. is gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> L.A. is gone That's if it. the fires get to me because we're way deep in, in, in okay. where the population is. So gotcha. if if if, the, if any fires get to me, we're done. L.A. is gone. You, you, yeah. By the time yeah. you're, you're the, the cutoff, stu- you're the cutoff. <laughs> D- Disney Studios is gone. Warner Brothers is gone. NBC <laughs> is gone because they're all ahead of me. So they all get it before yeah, I will. So <laughs> ABC gone. Well, that opens, all of that. I mean, that, that, that would open the up the market up, up really opens well. It's a hell of a market up for you, buddy. <laughs> Fant- fantastic, fantastic. Yes, yes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that's your, that's your plan. You're going to build your empire all the way the far end of Lo- of Los Angeles and move yes, your way so over as the fires and do. Watch them all burn Correct. And say it's all mine now. <laughs> Jeez, this 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 interview went dark real quick. Hey, that's what we do, man. You you are aware that our name is Massgrave Pictures, right? Yes, obviously, obviously, yes. I saw that. 
and I saw and I saw your Skype name. So yes, I am very familiar. Yeah, (laughs) but you gave us a chance to make LA a mass grave, and we're we're gonna take it. (laughs) Wow! Look, there's a lot of people here who would like that as well. Trust me, (laughs) in this industry. Uh, Okay, all right. So back back to let's let's start the topic. Let's start with this. How and why? What was your per- reasoning and everything behind starting Indie Film Hustle, this amazing resource that you've created for so many so many hopefuls out there? Um, I honestly originally was um, this, the, the the long story is, but I'll make it short. Mm. Is I was uh, I was kind of disenchanted with the film industry, and as many filmmakers know, we try to quit the industry many times during our careers mm. because it's never going the way we want to. So we're like, I can't do this anymore. But it's like this this siren that keeps calling you back no matter what. And, and at the end of the day, like, what else am I going to do if I quit? And for about a three-year period, I kind of softly left the business. I still did a little work here and there, but it was not I, – I, you know, I – I really kind of divorced it in my mind, okay. and I opened up I opened up an olive oil and vinegar gourmet shop in Los Angeles. I remember I remember yeah. listening to you tell that story. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that was I like to call that the dark times uh, because. <laughs> But very, but it was very tasty. Ball, <laughs> it was extremely tasty, but one of the most ball-busting times of my life, mm. um, f- physically, mentally, and spiritually. It was insane. And about nine months before we closed the business, I started. I read a book called "The Four Hour Work Week" by Tim Ferriss, mm. and that book opened up my eyes to the possibility of having an online business. And I was like, okay, this might be where I want to go after this. And then, of course, I and I read every. I read Gary Vanderchuk. I read Seth Godin. I read. I mean, I I must. Have, I took nine months and just researched how to create an online business. Everything you could do about it. And I was gonna be like, you know, and I wasn't gonna be this specifically, but I was like gonna open up a website about jelly beans, let's say. Hmm. And I'm like, I was gonna be the jelly bean dude. So like anybody in the world who needed to know about jelly beans, they would come to me. And my <laughs> wife, who who is obviously the brains of the operation, <laughs> turns to me and she goes, Why don't you do something about film? I'm like, Yeah, I'll do something about film eventually. I just I think this jelly bean thing is really good. Take off. <laughs> and she's like, You're an idiot. Do something about film. And she, and then, like within like a few days after that, I was like, you know, she's right. This is like I, I know a lot about this stuff. Let me let me go into doing that. So then I started researching the playing field of podcasts and and websites out there, and I found a, a kind of a hole in in the marketplace where there was not anybody, at least from my point of view, telling it like it is. Like again, from my point of view, for someone who's been in the business for twenty odd years, has you know delivered. And worked on probably sixty or seventy feature films and thousands of other you know projects over the course of that time, mm-hmm. and I didn't see anybody telling the truth of what it's really like to be in the business, how you really make money, how you really survive, how you really move forward, um, and and I didn't see that, and I said, you know what, let me throw my hat in the ring, and uh, okay. I decided to open up Indie Film Hustle. Uh, it was July of la- of three years ago, so 2015 in July I opened up Indie Film Hustle, and then. Two or three months after I opened up the, uh, or I launched the podcast, which was always part of the plan. Hmm. And uh, within, I think within three months, I was the number one filmmaking podcast on iTunes. Uh, I, it was insane. It kind of it exploded fairly quickly. And, um, and I started doing two episodes a week because nobody else was doing two episodes a yeah. week. So I said, well, 
if everyone else is doing one, if that, I'll do two a week and and I'll, I'll I should that should help me in the rankings. And it mm. did. Nice. Um, back then. Um, yeah. and people just, and people just wanted more content. So I just started talking about stuff that, you know, how I got screwed by these people or how I did, th- don't do this or don't do that or, you know, go down this road, don't go down that road. And people really seem to gravitate to uh, my voice and what I'm, and the kind of message I was putting out there. Cause at the end of the day, you know, Indie Film Hustle is a business, you know, this is yeah. my livelihood now, mm-hmm. but God bless. I do it, <laughs> I do it from, uh, I do it from a place of wanting to help, of being of service. And and I always go in with that. I don't go in it for the money. You know, I don't promote things that are about money only. I I, I believe me, I get offered daily about stuff. And yeah. I'm like, no, I'm I, I don't I, I only do things that will be of service to my community and to the tribe. And uh and it kind of worked out. So from there I you know, just kept going and growing and growing. And then I just launched another podcast uh, a few months ago called the Bulletproof Screenplay Podcast, mm-hmm. which is dedicated to fil- uh, to, um, mm-hmm. to screenwriters and, uh, and, and just kept going. And it's been a wonderful journey so far. I absolutely love working on Indie Film Hustle and what I do with Indie Film Hustle. I, and I love getting all the you know, emails and, and letters and things from, from people in the tribe who, um, you know, it's attached in one way, shape, or form. It's, it's been affected them in one shape or form and had a positive um, a positive impact in their lives. And you can't really, uh, you can't ask for anything else, really. Yeah. Like if you can make some money, support your family, and help people along the way and have the freedom to do what you want, my God, it's like living the dream. So That is the I'm dream, very absolutely. Ble- yeah, <laughs> and I'm very grateful. I'm very humbled and blessed by that. And I, I don't take it lightly. If I was 20-something, maybe I would have taken it lightly because I was an <laughs> idiot in my 20s. Um, but uh, because of my age, uh, I take I take it very seriously and, and, I'm, and I, I take what I do with Indie Film Hustle very seriously and try to help as many people as possible. So that was the, the main reasoning. So it started off as a business and it still is a business, but the main focus of it is to help. And mm-hmm. as you guys know that you guys have been listening to me for a while that I give away 95% of the information. And ninety-five percent of all all the value, I give it away, and I only charge for about five percent of it. Um, so I, I really do want to give as much as humanly possible away to the to the audience and and help them as much yeah. as I can. So you like being the man, kind of behind the curtain, the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> wizard behind it all. Well, I mean, well, I mean, th- my face is. I mean, you gone to my site. <laughs> Your I have face, a face is on with, there. I'm yelling with a with a gun yeah. slash camera, camera looking thing. Well, I meant yeah, like, like indie yelling, film is I'm the not, wizard. I'm not really hiding. And you are the guy behind it. That's what my my brain was was imagining. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I see. Yeah, exactly. That's that craziness is, but the. Um, <laughs> I know there's a lot of podcasters and a lot of uh, websites out there who don't put a face, who don't put themselves out in front. Um, But I decided to put myself out front because um, it's what I wanted to do. I wanted to put a face um, to the brand because anyone listens, anyone knows about Indie Film Hustle knows me. Mm -hmm. we're, We're synonymous. But the brand is out there, but I'm very closely tied to the brand. Yeah. And I wanted people to know that it wasn't like some corporation or some, you know, unknown entity i wanted to know there is a human being behind this that means what they're doing you know and really is putting their blood sweat and tears into what they're doing so that's one of the reasons why i put myself out there as much as i do more so than a lot of my contemporaries in the podcast where who are i know most of them they're all mostly we're all mostly friends Mm -hmm. um but they always 
bug they always they always uh tease me about that because they're like god damn it alex you're everywhere <laughs> yeah there's, there's a couple other uh couple other uh podcasts that, that we've been we're friends with and uh, uh we moderate a group with on facebook and um those are the couple of shows that i can actually listen to there's a couple others that i've heard before and it's just i'm not crazy about it because these are the couple of guys that that put themselves into it and it's and 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 their weekly episodes are very personal mm. and they mm-hmm. really talk about what they've been doing and what they've been doing wrong, which seems to really resonate with a lot of people. And you know, oh, yeah. rather than just, well, you know, this is how you do it and this is how it's done. No, no, we, you learned, you learned, you learned the hard way, just like all the rest of us did. I, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't care for the people who make it sound like, that overnight success like that's we just Sundance did everything that you're going to get into Sundance and you're going to be discovered with your first yeah, project you know and... we know people who've played at Sundance and they're still struggling to get their kickstarters yeah. uh, up up and going they still can't get the uh, oh. just because they've been oh, to yeah, Sundance you know doesn't mean that you're going to suddenly be the next uh, 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 Paul Verhoeven or whatever oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely I mean, absolutely. I, I I call it the lottery ticket. Yes, you know yeah. that does yeah. happen. It does happen, it but abs- it's a lottery it ticket. It is the exception, not the rule. Yeah. Um. And and talking about Sundancers, I know multiple Sundance people mm-hmm. who've won Sundance, won awards at Sundance, mm-hmm. can't get arrested. Yeah. Yeah. Can't can't get arrested. You know, and it's it's it, you know people don't understand that, and I try to to. Uh, shine a light on that as much as possible yeah. and as, as far as personal is concerned i mean i did a whole podcast just on how i screwed up how not to make a fifty thousand dollar short film <laughs> <laughs> and i laid out all of my mistakes oh, yes. man, oh, my I, we know people who did that and i just like wow because i i think i think uh, the short we just did last week yes was we mm-hmm. just finished a short uh th- three weeks ago and it Congrats. was our most thank you, thank you. It's our most expensive short film so far. Yes. At fifty five hundred dollars. Fifty five hundred dollars. You know? That's madness. Madness. <laughs> that is the it's most madness. you've ever put into a short. But, but but that's because I have a very oh, her too. And we have this very this this thing in us that it's like, I can't sell this. So the more money I put into it. The more money we're losing, it's it's a it's a business card. It's out there at film festivals, and it gets you known, mm-hmm. gets you out there. But if if we're struggling to get money together in the first place for our features, like we did, our first feature was thirteen thousand dollars. Our second was twenty two thousand dollars. If I put twenty grand into a short film, I said, well, I might as well just made a feature for that then. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's no question about it. There's you know? absolutely no question about it. I mean, and uh, yeah, I, I, absolutely, I, I would agree. But there is ways to make money with short films. Uh, I was, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I did crack that nut a while ago. These are these are avenues that are that are starting to open up to more people now. I mean, they've been there, but I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I feel like up until up until maybe three or four years ago, unless your short film was exceptional. You really mm-hmm. weren't going to be able to sell it. You weren't going to be able to make any money. Now, now there's plenty of VOD outlets opening up. There's things like YouTube, and you can sell them on Vimeo. There's so many more outlets out there, and and social media helps you so much more. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I I just think that uh, up until recently, 
a lot of those avenues were just not available to most people because they just weren't making the the quality content that somebody would be willing to pay for. You know, right. Uh, the one thing I, I, I was just speaking at uh, Holly Shorts uh, this past uh, actually a couple of days ago hmm. and yeah. uh, that this question came up about shorts and like, can you can you make money with shorts? And the answer I said is you absolutely can. Hmm. But I think you have to niche down. Yeah. You can't okay. make a broad action, broad comedy, broad drama. You've got to find a topic or an audience and feed it with a proper um, with with content that they're willing to pay for. Hmm. So I, I had on the show the other day Griffin Hammond from Indie Mogul who did a, a documentary on Sriracha, yes. The, yes. the hot sauce. Yep. And he it was a 22-minute, I think 22, 23-minute short. He made a ton with that. Hmm. He's laid out how much money he's made with it because that was a rabid fan base for Sriracha. Yeah. And he still makes yeah. money every month and will yes. continue to do so. Um, until a feature is made of it. <laughs> he's told me, he's like, when someone decides to make a feature film of it, then I'm screwed. But until then, I'm the only guy, if you want to know about Sriracha, I'm the only yep. guy who knows anything about it. And But that was a perfect model for, for what you could do is find an audience. And I always use the vegan chef movie idea. Yeah. Like yeah. you make a movie about a vegan chef who falls in love with a meat eater and chaos ensues. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can d- easily tap into people who are vegans and vegetarians and paleo people and and health nuts and uh, cooking fanatics and all this kind of stuff. So there's multiple audiences that you can go target and then you build up ancillary products around it. So why wouldn't you create a series of cooking uh, courses online, online cooking courses or, you know, cooking eBooks or other products or other ancillary revenue streams from that first product, from that first movie where the movie you kind of give it away as a loss leader, kind of like what, um, did you ever see that documentary, Fat, Sick, and Nearly Dead? Yes. 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 That, I mean, what, what Jeff Cross did was amazing. He, he built oh, yeah. an entire business around one movie. Mm-hmm. And he gives it away now. He literally gives the movie away. He doesn't even care. He's like, I'm good. I, I just want you to buy all my other stuff. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> he's selling juicers now. So. <laughs> he's selling juicers. He's selling um, training. Yep. He's selling. I mean, uh, everything. It's, it's yeah. fascinating uh, how he was able to do that. But <clears throat> he tapped into something. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, it wasn't an expensive movie, but it, he niched down. Yeah. Um, so I think there is a. I think that is the future for independent filmmaking in general is to niche. Mm-hmm. You know, the riches are in the niches. It is very, very true. Uh, I had an, I have another uh, guest coming on soon, who made a movie about hot rods. Okay. Uh, and she she took five years to make this movie. Five years working on weekends. Oh wow! But she was a hot rod a hot rod enthusiast. You know, like the, you know, like the mm-hmm. yeah, like the Rebel Without a Crew or yeah. Rebel, like, me, Rebel Without a Clue and that kind of style <laughs> stuff. Rodriguez helped her. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Rodriguez helped her. No, but like that that time pe- that time period. And um, and she made a period piece and a a, a, a modern day. It was two part two part movie, and she sells it like her whole life now is literally going around to hot rod conventions, playing her movie, charging for tickets, doing autograph sessions, and she's been doing this for four or five years after the movie was released. Nice. And she lives in a Winnebago, and just not a Winnebago in a um, RV. Not a Winnebago RV. She lives in an RV yeah. Yeah. and travels the country. That's this awesome. is this, but 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 she niched it. It's that's so niche, yeah. and it's but but that's the thing. So she knew what she wanted to do, and she loves being in that world. 
So it, there is possibilities with shorts as well as features to do mm. that. But I do believe niching is is where everyone needs to go in the indie world, at least. Okay. Okay. That's that's good <laughs> advice. That's that's fair. Yeah. That is fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've we've personally we've always done horror. Yeah. So um, okay, it's uh, no no I can't believe it with the, with a company name like that. No, you, know, <laughs> you think we're making Disney films? Shocking, <laughs> shocking. You know, um, so horror is kind of its own niche in and of itself, but that's kind of where the 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 problems come in. The monetizing that yeah, is really because, the issue. Well, but look, but, but look, but look. Uh, so with niche with with horror, because mm-hmm. I've had this conversation with other people as well. Horror, I mean, if you if like horror is a niche, but it's a it's a category. It's a very yes, large niche. It is. It's yeah, not a small absolutely. thing. But if you look at a movie like Hatchet mm-hmm. that came out uh, a handful of years ago, he created uh, a movie that was aimed specifically at a sub niche or yeah. sub genre of the horror community, which is old fashioned American slasher movie. Mm-hmm. And he marketed as such and did extremely well with it. Oh, yes. Um, So if if you can find a niche within that category and and even go down more and find that audience and be able to sell to that audience, it makes sense and you can do something with it. Okay. I'm taking notes in my head right now. (laughs) Well, we are recording this, so you can't. Oh, excellent. I'm not going to lose it. Great. (laughs) But then we're going to give it to the rest of the world. No. Right. <laughs> Damn it. Um, well, while we're talking about horror, actually, you're you're a genre fan, right? I, I think I've heard genre. it. Get I, it. I, yeah. Yeah. I love, so I love genre. I love I, I, I've I've never been a slasher guy. Like I, I do enjoy good scare, mm-hmm. good thrillers, but I've never been like a blood and gore. Yeah. Filmmaker. Um, it's just not my it's just not my cup of tea. Though I've seen many of them, I've seen a lot of the Saw and Hostels and yeah, uh, and even old, the older old like the Freddy stuff and the Jason stuff. Growing up, and all that stuff was fun. Um, of course, but I, I do like genre. I, and I love grindhouse style stuff. I love comic books and spaghetti westerns and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So so then my question is, um, we 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 watched this as Meg and great job. Yeah, we watched very it. Great gen- job. Very genre. Yeah. Well, that's, blood everywhere. That's my question. I know. I know that you're a genre fan. Uh, 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 we always get the opposite question of why horror. All so my time. question to you is why did you why did you decide to go uh, like in my opinion like a traditional indie film indie drama comedy rather than a genre film? Because I had made um, four to five genre short films in my career. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that. And um, it is expensive to do genre. Okay. And uh, being able to um, kind of get off, you know, my first film I did, my first short film was Broken, which came out in 2005. Mm-hmm. And that film was uh, a genre piece. It was an action kind of thriller, yeah. um, though it got accepted in the horror community a lot purely because of the extremely creepy location that I made, I, I made it in this kind of like almost abandoned hospital nice. uh, that I had awesome. access to. And that movie went on to make uh, close to a hundred thousand uh, dollars. And it only cost about 8,000 to make. And I was, I was the first or one of the first um, film uh, DVDs with special features dedicated to indie film. Because there was nothing out there. Like, the, nobody had... This is 2005. YouTube is just getting online. Yeah. yeah. No, There was no information about how to make independent films. 
especially with the you know like with with everyday technology. Yeah, it's, not it's like been with a Robert Rodriguez secret. was already out. Yeah. Right, but I mean Robert Rodriguez was out putting out some amazing DVDs with his ten minute film schools and stuff. I'm like, that's great, Robert, but I don't have seven million dollars yeah. yeah. to go make Desperado. <laughs> it's fantastic, you know, it's really cool, but I don't yeah. got seven million bucks to go make Desperado. So um, I was one of the first to do that, and. But we shot that on like the DV, the Panasonic DVX 100A, edited Ooh. on Final Cut. We shot um, on that with Sal. The visual. <laughs> we had the yeah, DVX it's, one. It's, the B, I think Sal had. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the B, yeah. Uh, so it was a great, those are great cameras. I yeah. love that little camera. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and, and we put it out there and filmmakers went crazy for it because it was just so, there's no information out there. So that was my first introduction to really genre because before then I'd, Really hadn't done. I mean, I, I, it was always my flavor, but I never done anything with it. And then after that, I did um, another short film uh, called Sin, which was kind of a precursor to my next two shorts, which is Red Princess Blues and Red, Plus, Red Princess Blues Genesis. And so those the are posters. that's the fifty thousand. So the poster. Yeah, that's the fifty thousand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, of course, of course, because I own the rights to it. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Um, oh, trust me, we do the same thing. Same thing. I do the same damn thing. Our posters pop up in all our movies, and everybody's. Well, what's yeah. the connection there? There's no freaking connection. I own it. Yeah. I own it, and I need to decorate the wall. Come on. <laughs> it's a blank white so, wall. Um, I can't shoot in front of a blank white wall. <laughs> no, no, that's mistake number one. Don't yep. do that. Yep. Um. So, uh, so with with. Red Princess Blues, which was a fifty thousand dollars short film, um, where I went, I, I went balls to the wall trying to get a feature made. I have a feature script. I had a whole, I had everything for that project. Uh, you know, went down that road for like three years, four years, mm-hmm. looking for money, getting people attached, letting people go, things coming in and out. You know, going to Comic Con and doing a signing on posters wow. of of the movie nice. uh, at, at one time. So it was like it had gone as far as it could go, I think, at that point. And in this this kind of cycle of coming back and forth uh, of like being attached to a project, going out, doing things, meeting actors, going castings, meeting producers, you waste your life doing that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And that's what I did for 20 years. Yeah. I was attached to multiple feature films um, with big stars. All, all, I mean, through all of those 20 years, I did that. And this, uh, when I turned 40, around 40, 41, it was like a, about a year into Indie Film Hustle, I got attached to another project. Mm-hmm. And in that project, um, it was a, a, a very well-known producer and, and screenwriters. And, and then we went out and did castings at big agencies and so forth. And all of a sudden, it fell apart again. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I'm, I'm 40, man. I can't do this anymore. Like I just can't do. I'm, tomorrow I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna be sixty. Yeah, yeah. And I and I'm not and I'm not gonna have not gonna be made. I had I would have not made a feature film, which has honestly been the goal of my career, hmm. is to be able to call myself a, fe- a feature film director that I have a feature film made. And I said, and all these excuses and all of these th- obstacles that you throw in front of yourself. When you're a filmmaker, I can't do it unless I have this much money, this actor or actress attached, this scenario put in, this camera or this gear, for God's sakes, to Until go make it's the perfect. movie. Yeah. It's like it's because it, and, and, and these are excuses because yeah. you're afraid. Yeah. Yeah. These oh, are just I say that abs- all the time to people. You got another difference between between excuses and reasons, you know, and, and right. a lot of the time exactly. people are almost like uh, 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 they're kind of. um 
oh, what's the word? Self-destructive in that, where they give themselves, oh, well, I don't have this, I don't have this, I don't have that. Well, you're just right. getting in your own right. way. They just want their first feature right. film to be perfect. I mean, that's yeah. what I think the, the biggest issue. You want the perfect camera with the perfect cast, with the perfect script, yeah. with right. the perfect because this. Because we all want... We all want Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Gonna, you know, we all want El Mariachi. I was going to say, Reservoir Dogs is the exception. That's it. You know, El Mari- El- even El you know, Mariachi, but- he got so lucky with that one. Oh, man, even that. <laughs> no, like- no, but 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 you want you want a slacker. You yes. want clerks. You yeah. want your first yep. movie to blow the door off and 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 launch your career. Mm-hmm. And that's that whole that whole mentality would stop me for so many years. Yeah. So when that project fell apart, I said to myself, I'm just going to go make a movie. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. I'm just going to go make just a movie. Just do it. That's it. And, just do it. <laughs> and and I literally and and I said to myself, okay, what can I go do uh, inexpensively that I can have complete control of? And I and I said I've been I've been studying the Duplass brothers a lot. Hmm. Uh who also do horror. Yes. Yeah. Uh, every once in a while. <laughs> Um, and the, and the style that they do it with, I forgot the other, the other, the guy who did the Blair Witch sequel, I forgot his name. Oh, um, Jesus. The, you oh, know I what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I he, can't think of his name either. I got Eduardo Sanchez yeah, he, in my head. I can't think of, uh, yeah, I know. the sequel. The other, yeah, the, the, not the, not the, not, not the, oh. not the book of secrets, the, oh, the, the new, brand new the sequel brand new that new just one. came out. Oh, uh, uh, um, Adam Wingard. Yeah. Oh. Adam, yes. One of yes. my so Adam, absolute favorite new directors. God, I love everything he's done. <laughs> well, he was one of those guys that does yep. this kind of style of, of, of horror movie, uh, which is very Duplass style, kind of like, you know, a run and gun, improv, um, all that kind of stuff. So I said, well, you know what? Let me see if I could do that. Because I, t- I said to myself, I'm like, look, I, can, I know I'll make a more technically sound movie than the Duplass brothers did on their first movie because they didn't know what they were doing. Right. I'm like, I've got 20 years. I've got the gear. I got the post. I'll make it look good. Whether I can tell a story or not, that's another question. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, and that's why I, I called up my friend, Jill, uh, Michelle Milian, who's a, who's a comedian, stand-up comic and an actress. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to make a movie about your, about your life as a not 25 year old, um, <laughs> actress, actress in LA and, and tell the truth about it and do be raw about it. Yeah. And she was like, all right, let's go. And within a month I was shooting. Nice. So that's kind of the reason why I did this is because a lot of people came up to me like, this came out of left field. Like you've never shown any interest in making a film like this. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's just it's just something that I wanted to prove to myself that I can go out and make a movie. Mm-hmm. And we shot it in eight days. Um, we shot it on the Blackmagic uh, 2.5K cinema camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, I DP'd it myself. And uh, I did all the post on it myself, except for the audio, which we had on, uh, a friend of mine do, and uh, and we popped it out and saw what like. And the thing is with Meg is that I could not, I did not attach anything, any outcome to it. So unlike a lot of filmmakers, like like the movies you just said you made, you you know, you put twelve thousand and twenty five thousand, twenty two thousand dollars. There is a there's pressure on that movie to to do something. Yeah. For you. There's pressure on that movie. I have no pressure on my movie, on Meg. There was none because I crowdfunded most of it. Actually, I crowdfunded over it. So when I even before I started shooting, I was in the black. So because I knew I was going to make it for, you know, I, I could tell everybody how much I made it. Now I made it for like like five grand. Okay. So, okay. Uh, so we shot the whole thing for about five grand in eight days, and um, and I I didn't have any pressure on it. I just like you know what, whatever happens happens. 
if it's received well, great. If it isn't, no big deal. If it, if it gets into big festivals, great. If it doesn't, no big deal. And that little movie, uh, and I was honest about that too. It wasn't like a, a, a cop out. I was like, I really just didn't care. I just wanted to create something. Yeah. And be and be an artist and be an artist. Dare, yeah. dare, dare I say Absolutely. artist. It's it's weird. You can do that at that budget level. Yeah. Because I didn't care. Because you know, if you have twenty grand on on the belt, then you got to be a little bit more. Unless you could afford to lose that twenty grand, no. <laughs> you you've got to be a little bit more business savvy yeah. about it. But because of this freedom that this genre allowed me to do, um, because this genre lends itself to these kind of movies, I can make ten of these a year if I wanted to. <laughs> I mean, I literally could. I could just keep popping them out left and right. And you're absolutely um, right. So you're absolutely right. We 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 have um two we have two friends of ours both made features separately. Uh, one of them did the, the, the drama comedy, and he did it for about 2500 total. Yep. And you know, the one of ours probably, in, in the most uh, uh, frugal manner possible, uh, he actually made a psychological thriller, which was excellent, and he did such a good job. I cast him, because he, he was the director, the writer, and the, the actor. Um, and the lead actor, after seeing it, I cast him as the lead in our in my own second feature because he did such a great job, and he did the whole thing for under two grand, you know, and they both nice. echo your sentiments exactly at this level at two thousand dollars. He's like, I, what if it goes somewhere? It goes somewhere. If it doesn't, it doesn't. At least I got the damn movie done and it's out there. And if people like it, they like it. If not, I'll go make another one later on. So you're absolutely right. Right. In that. It does. It's a, it's such a freeing uh, mm. experience. I can't even tell you when you're out there on the edge, mm. with like no no pressure, no stress, no nothing, and you could just be an artist and do whatever you want and see what happens and be experimental and all that stuff, and work with the actors and the, all the actors. We were blessed with an amazing cast on this is Meg yeah. with you know a bunch of actors who are very well known, um, who came out and did favors for Jill. Oh, I can't even think of his Car- name. His name is falling out of my Carlos head. Carlos Rocky. Uh, there's Joseph Reitman. Joseph who Reitman. was her best friend. I love yeah, him. His- I've loved him for <laughs> yeah. years. <laughs> yeah, Joe's great. Joe's, Joe's awesome. Joe's know? awesome. <laughs> Joe's one of those guys that like, you're watching a show and like, oh, there's Joe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he just pops up. He's yeah. always working. I love um, him. I think he's a great actor. He's very underrated. He's a fantastic you actor. Know? He's a fantastic actor. He's a fantastic actor, and and the re- and the rest of the cast was great. And these guys brought so much to the, to the to the project. So when we finally put it out there, you know, it, you know, we were rejected from Sundance as everybody else is. Mm. Um, I don't even and a couple of the other. I don't even bother. <laughs> so you know, we were you know we we didn't get into some of the bigger festivals, but we we got a world premiere at Cinequest, yeah. which is still a, a very very big festival, mm-hmm. and we were very happy about that. And then we went on to, I was going to self-distribute it because I was going to show my audience that you could do this. And that's also another reason why I did this is Meg, because I wanted to show, I wanted a blueprint for my audience. I wanted for the tribe to go, hey, look, I'm, I'm not just talking about this, guys. I'm actually going out there and doing it. Mm. And, and I'm going to show you how I did it so you guys can go do it. And uh, I did. And um, that whole process, I knew I was going to self-distribute the movie. So once I I, I uh, got it on iTunes and Amazon and, all, and Google Play and all that kind of stuff, uh, it was great. But then we sold it to Hulu. Mm. So then it was, you know, this little $5,000 movie was sold to Hulu. Then we got a foreign distributor for it. And we sold it to China and South Africa and England and other places around the world. So all of a sudden, this little movie actually made some money. 
You know, it's a yeah. profitable movie without question. I mean, I'm not retiring tomorrow, but well. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a, but it, but I was able to go out and make a movie on my own terms to do whatever the hell I wanted to do with it, and it was profitable. Now, like, did you have any hint that it was going to be topical? I mean, I, not really. Yeah, not it just really, was really great it, timing. Yeah, now now there's that there's a real big Me Too scene in that that movie. Oh yeah, um, mm -hmm. it's a huge Me Too uh, scene in that movie. But that's what she deals with all the time. You know, being a stand up comic's not easy as a female. No, um, it's really really difficult. And um, yeah, there's those scenes in that movie um, that we kind of just we were just being honest. It was we shot it before the Me Too movement showed up. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of that stuff that she's had to deal with. Oh my God. So many times, um, throughout her career. So we wanted to be as honest as possible and it just kind of worked out that way. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, I really, I mean, I just started actually directing my own, uh, short films in the last year or year and a half. Good. Congrats. You know? And so like, to me, it was like that. I think it's interesting to me now where I'm telling stories now and it's, it's, you know, people are like, oh, it's very topical and this is very creative. And it's it's sort of like this is just me being honest and like my view of the world. So it's really interesting that like you opened it up to her and her and her honest experience. And it ended up becoming, mm -hmm. you know, so so attached to a lot of the issues that are, are being discussed now. I, I thought it was really cool. I mean, I just think it's really Thank cool you so to, much. To, to see a woman who's just, you know, honest about what it's like, you know, getting cut off at a certain point and having your looks be questioned and, you know kind of devalued because of age which is just stupid yeah it's absolutely and and i don't know if you've noticed it but throughout my entire filmography um i've had a female lead mm -hmm. in everything i've ever done i have noticed that. um <laughs> I, I every single movie i've done i've had a female lead in it and it's you know a lot of times i just like anytime i cast i'm like it, this is just going to be more interesting with a woman mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's just because i could have easily made red princess blues with a guy it would have been you know, Red Prince Blues, I guess, whatever you, you want to call it. You could have kept him as a princess with the pigtails in his hair. <laughs> obviously, obviously. And it becomes another movie. It becomes another movie. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but, but the point is that it, that easily could be a male a part. Yeah. But making it a female, it was a lot more uh, interesting. So, uh, all again, for my very first movie, the entire movie's lead is a female. And she's in every single scene yeah. in the movie. So it's uh, it's interesting. I've I've just always found that fascinating. I look back at my filmography, that, you know, as small as it is, but still, that every I always have strong female characters in my movie, which is something I just always wanted to do. I think it's just something that's missing in the world as well. Um, but I guess I will eventually have to make a movie with a male lead in it. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. No, <laughs> never. No. There's plenty of those, right? There's plenty of There's those. Plenty I don't need of to be that guy. Plenty of them. <laughs> Uh, so uh, my, my, my question as far as those are, though, but to, on, on the business end of things, um, mm -hmm. how did you how did you go about getting the premiere and how did you get it to Hulu? Uh, I use a company called Distriber. OK, for uh, for um, they're an aggregator that they can pitch to Netflix and Hulu and get your film on different platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what I used. And they pitched they pitched the movie to Hulu okay. and they, they said, sure, we'll want it. So it's only going to be up until I think the end of the, uh, October. They they only license it for a year, and then after that I don't know. They might re, re, redo it or they might. I, I know it's going to live on another platform uh, coming up soon. Uh, we'll know, but 
Um, but yeah, and then as far as the premiere is concerned, you may know at Cinequest, we just yes. submitted, and that we just submitted it, and and we just got it, and nice. we got the world premiere there. And uh, you know, I guess more technical towards this is Meg. Uh, your locations mm-hmm. were those uh, friendly locations, or how'd you go about getting like locations? Because that pool <laughs> well, scene is, is it's a beautiful backyard. <laughs> that that okay. So that guy's house is a friend. Everything was a friend of Jill's. Okay. So like uh, basically, you know, we we shot in Joe's house. Uh, we shot in uh, a bunch of a bunch of the actors' houses. And then Jill had a few friends that you know owned a house with a great backyard. And then uh, the the ayahuasca scene, we found a house down in Venice that was a friend of Jill's. So everyone was a friend. The whole pro you couldn't have made a movie like that mm-hmm. unless everything everything had to be friends. Yeah. yeah. But like that that house in the pool scene, that like you know you ever watch those movies where you see, you walk into a guy's house and there he is with a picture of him with like the Dalai Lama and the president. Mm-hmm. This guy had a picture of himself with the Dalai Lama and the president. Oh, my God. And Oprah. I'm like, I walk in, I'm like, is that Oprah and Barack? <laughs> and Michelle? Is that, and is that the Dalai effing Lama? She's like, yeah, he's, uh, yeah. <laughs> so okay. I was like, okay. He was out of town. He was out of town and he just let us shoot there. Nice. So it was, uh, it was really, really great. Okay, another thing I'm curious about, um, what we, we're, we've kind of now started coming up against out here in, in New York um, is that a lot of our actors are, are SAG, SAG-AFTRA. Um, ever mm-hmm. since the merger. Ever since the merger, everybody sure. you run into is SAG. You either, you're either have no experience or you're union, yeah. you know? Right. Did right. you have any, any issues uh, with that? or No, none at all whatsoever. Okay. Uh, SAG is, uh, as long as you... They're very, first of all, they're very open now to low budge, mm-hmm. uh, especially experimental stuff. Like when you're talking two thousand dollars, they just they just don't even look at. They, they're like, well, sure, yeah. like they don't even look <laughs> at you. Like you just like it, they're just like whatever, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you could just just sign up the, the low budget, not even low budget, just experimental yeah. contract. I think it's called or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you don't even have to pay the actors, but I always pay my actors something. Yeah, you know, if absolutely. Something token. Yeah. hundred bucks, 200 bucks a day, something. Um, but uh, yeah, according to them, you don't, you don't even have to pay the actors with it because everyone's kind of jumping on board for the experience at that point. Yeah. It's all negotiable, uh, no, right? But, according to their agreements, negotiable at experimental level. Correct. Yeah, exactly. But that's, that really does, that, that's not a limitation anymore. You got to do some paperwork, but other than that, you should be fine. And then did you not have to negotiate up as you got into Hulu and, 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 uh, the other platforms? Negotiate what with Zach? Yeah. Like negotiate no. upward, like uh, uh, again. No. You said it may have changed now, but uh, uh, it's always been our experience that you can get the low budgets here and there, but you're limited to what you can do with it. You can't put it on DVD. You can't do theatrical. But then if you no. go, you get a distribution deal. You have to come back, renegotiate, and then you no. end up, no. you know, none of no, that. None over. of that. No. Okay. None of that. Nice. There's a lot of myths. There's a lot of myths for for SAG. Um, mm-hmm. That a lot of filmmakers are, are misinformed about. Um, you're, what you're talking about is when you start getting into the bigger budgets. Okay. Two hundred thousand dollars, quarter million dollars, seven hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Those different tiers. Yeah. Then, then you're like, sure, we'll negotiate with you now. But if you get this, you got to come back. That's a different ball. When you make a two thousand dollar movie, a yeah. five thousand dollar movie, a ten thousand dollar movie, <laughs> they're, they're not even they're, trying to keep up with you. <laughs> they can barely keep up with. 
the million dollar movies. Right. Do you think they're going to try to keep up with every two thousand dollar movie that, that comes across their desk? Mm-hmm. They don't have the manpower to do so. Yeah. So don't th- don't worry about it. it. And it's also just something that that's not applicable towards yeah. a, such a low budget. Yeah, we, we've never gone the SAG route, but uh, 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 the big thing that helps us in that is the fact that we're in New York. So it's a huge, it's big theater. Theater is huge in yeah. New York. So there's so many, there's a bunch of theater actors who want to get into film and have never of done course. film. So it, we just, we hold auditions and we end up going through one audition after another. And it's just one theater actor after another one. And none of them are eligible for SAG or have ever done. The closest they've ever done is commercials or music videos and stuff, you know? So right. it's never really been a problem for us to find too much of a problem to find non-union actors but uh, uh, over, over time you know there's, uh, the more people we meet we're starting to see more and more especially the last like two years everyone we know has suddenly become uh, SAG eligible and, and a lot of them become must join you know so mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. the people we've worked with in the past or friends who we've wanted to work with over the over the years we just never had anything that was right for them suddenly we have something from them like well I'm sag now so I can't I can't do it or or you know hey we're shooting like a block from your house you want to come out and we're like we're shooting at a, at the bar you want to come just be an extra no I can't I'm sag and I'm like oh all right I'm not going to I'm not even going to argue if that's okay and, and by, by the way that, that the actors that's just an inexperienced actor scared I, and 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 you know what and, and and i'm aware of that and i've said that to them before like look you're in the background you're not featured you're not saying anything you're there it's we're talking about a little you know like you said a couple thousand dollars if sag even realizes this movie exists it'll be a miracle you know how many how many how many actors have gone to sag jail <laughs> seriously exactly <laughs> no no i'm being honest like seriously how many actors have been kicked out of the union because i've never, of, I've never of met doing one I've never met one. So <laughs> there's been, according to, to according to my research, one guy wow. in the history of all of it, and it's because he broke the rules like 187 times. Wow. <laughs> no, Look, I, I'm Bruce not even Willis joking. Get away that with was it. literally <laughs> he just literally kept doing it to the point where SAG just said, "Look, dude, yeah. <laughs> we can't, we can't." We let you go the first 186, but now you've just broken the camel's back. I can't do this. We have we have one friend who's been in SAG and he keeps like he's fine doing them. He's like, but you know what? Just don't tag me anything. Don't put me anything because, because you know what? Uh, uh, yeah, um, no what did cares. he say? Um, no the um, he votes on the awards at the end of the year. He's like, so I get all the movies on DVD for free. <laughs> I get the screeners. And if they find out, I'm not going to get my screeners at the end of the year. <laughs> he doesn't even go to the movies anymore. There's there's pr- there's there's um there's that's priorities. I think that's, that's good priorities that's as an actor. <laughs> As an actor, I think that's really, really smart and very good priorities for that boy. I'm telling you. That's no, I don't want to move my career forward by acting. Oh. My screeners oh. Oh, no, are the more important it. thing. See, he's a he's a professional background guy. So that's that's what he does. God. He just does background two fifty, three hundred dollars a day, and he's happy doing that. Yeah. You know? Uh so when it comes to working on his friends' projects, like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Just don't tag me in it and uh, I can get my screeners. I say, All right, if that's what makes you happy. Happy, then wow. good for you. Sure. <laughs> hey, man, everyone's got their path to that's, walk. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so now I'm curious. You said that you were uh, the director and the DP. What does your crew look like? Um, we're, we're big. We've explained <laughs> we've explained to people our the way we work is usually it's a five to seven person crew. 
Um, so Oof, my God, what are you, uh, the Avengers? <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, we all have we all have colors that we wear and everything. <laughs> yes. we all we no, all like an Avengers crew. Yeah. Like, that's insane. There's so many people. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we um, I mean, to, to answer, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, my, to answer your question, it's, um, it was three people. Yeah. Okay. It was three people. I, I generally have three people on the set. Myself, um, I had my gaffer slash second camera, and then I had a, a guy holding the boom. Right. Because he wasn't the sound guy. Yeah. He was the guy holding the yeah. boom. I, I taught him how to use the mixer. Yeah. No, excuse me. I taught him how to use the recorder. Uh, there was uh-huh. no mixer. The zoom recorder. Yeah. On set. <laughs> uh, no, we use uh, we use the Tascam. We use the Tascam. Okay. okay. And, I have the, uh, uh, the, sev- the 70D is what we've used now, so... Yep. Okay. As long as it records audio, that's, that's all it. That matters. That's it. And and uh, and that was it. And then Jill was my um, my clapper. So she would yeah. she would do slate. She for was me. a slate. Uh, on every on everything. Then, that was it. That, it was, that, that was the crew. Oh, see, we and then, no, don't drop it because it was my iPad. So. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, that was that, that that was basically that was basically my crew because, again, don't forget. I mean, I, I, I make it sound easy, but I mean, I've been doing it for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, over twenty years, I've been doing this, so I've been on many many sets. I know I can hold. I can I can carry a lot of weight on my shoulders. Yeah. I yeah. can do a lot of jobs. So that's why I'm able to do something like that. If you're just starting out, don't do don't do what I do. I mean, it's <laughs> not going to work out as well yeah. for you. Um, you know, but, it, but yeah, for me, it was very, if fairly small crew. Yeah, no, I mean, it's very similar to our setup. I mean, you we're a little, I mean, the big number difference is there's two of us and one of you. Um, so that's <laughs> two right here, me and him. Yeah. Right um, there. So I mean, I'm usually he's the director. I, I'm you know producer and and uh, you know AD, and then I'm I'm often doing PA stuff. You know craft services, all that yeah. other nonsense. Up sure. Until recently, oh no, we all did craft services. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And then Up until recently, I've been the DP. Yeah. Of our, and, You've and been editor, the DP, and then know. we've had a gaffer. Uh, then we've had uh, sound, and then we've had a makeup artist because you know we make horror movies and we have blood and monsters. Yeah. And sure. Such of things that require it, but that's our five person crew, so it's very similar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you just gotta, you just gotta do whatever works for you. Whatever your, yeah. you, whatever secret sauce you've got that works, that's what needs to happen to make it happen. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I'm just picking your brain, just kind of like, sure, a, are we it. doing this right? And B, look, audience, <laughs> like somebody else does it our crazy ass way. Um, so we're also big. Oh, I, no, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, we're big proponents of barter and trade. Um, what we found is that you know mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of filmmakers that we work with in the area. Probably seven or eight different filmmaking teams, groups that you know we all work on each other's stuff. We are borrow, borrow each other's equipment. If you need a light, you need a steady cam. You know, one of us has it somewhere shoved in a room somewhere. So we're more than happy to share. You need a cameraman today. I need a sound guy tomorrow. I'll come to you. Then you come to me instead of exchanging the same $200 back and forth. Like, dude, just show up for the day and I'll show up for yours. And that's it. Yeah. And that's how we do it. Yeah. That's that's an amazing way to do it. If you can have a support system like that is a great way to make films. If you can do it. Look, at the end of the day, guys, you know, we're we're in the trenches. We're on the streets. You can, you can't do this alone. So if if you if you can find a community or a group of friends and filmmakers that you can work with and help each other, that's the way to do it. Look, Spielberg, Lucas, De Palma, Scorsese, they all did the same thing. They all were helping each other and and doing you know like you know John Milius wrote that amazing speech that uh, what's his guy uh, on, on Jaws when mm. the yes. what's his name Flint 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 Flint, Flint. Clint, Clint, yeah, Clint, Clint was doing that Clint. that that monologue 
uh, that was written by, by that was written by uh, Milius. Yeah. You know, and you know, and then Spielberg would help Lucas do some action stuff in his movies, and and De Palma would help with this, and they all kind of helped each other. And they all and, shared uh, points fr- on each other's movie too. That's that's one of my <laughs> yes, favorite stories ever. Milius, Milius, uh, <laughs> Lucas, Milius, Lucas, and Spielberg. Yeah. All swap points on Star Wars Close Encounter. Was it Star Wars Close Encounters? And oh, um, what's that? What's that surfer movie that Millie's did? Something Sunday. Oh, um, oh God, yeah. Um, I don't know. You what. know what I'm talking yeah, yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. I can see the poster in my head. I just can't see like the right. second, so the second, get, the first they, word. Yeah, I can't. I don't know. Right, and they get a point, and they get like a point on each of their movies. Yeah. And, Sp- and Spielberg and Lucas are like, "Where are we getting all our points from the Sunday movie you did? For God's sake, when is that money going to start rolling that in, John? <laughs> that, now that that you, was you hustle. cashed out. You cashed." You cashed out pretty well yep, off the that our was movies. hustle. That was real hustle right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so follow the hustle line right down there. Right. You shot a movie at, at Sundance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> what do you, who do you think you are? Are you shooting a movie in Disney in Disney uh, uh, hotels next? <laughs> no. Well, no. I'm, I'm much more afraid of of the mouse than I am of Sunday. <laughs> so, okay. How did that come about? And how did you do it? How did did they know about it? Give Give me the details. <laughs> I got to hear this. <laughs> All right. So, um, my new film is called On the Corner of Ego and Desire. Mm. Uh, it was shot at this year's Sundance Film Festival. We are, to my knowledge, the first narrative feature film ever shot at the festival while the festival's going on. Mm. And um, there have been documentaries and I think even mockumentaries shot, but no one had ever shot a narrative feature before. And I just had this crazy idea one day when I was sitting with uh, my producing partner on this, pro- uh, this project, Adam Bowman, who, um, who owns this amazing... Um, condo on Main Street that we go to every year. Uh-huh. And we're sitting down talking about, uh, hey, you know, what, what interviews we're going to do, what can we do, and, and work, how are we going to work together this year? And I just turned to him and I go, look, I think it'd be irresponsible of us not to shoot a feature film this year. Hmm. And okay. he just said, continue. And I, I pitched the idea of like, hey, let's make a movie about three filmmakers trying to uh, sell their movie while they're, or follow or, or like stalk a producer that they once met at another film festival as you do all throughout Sundance. Sundance. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so he's like, let's do it. And within, uh, you know, I, I started, started searching. I started searching for my, my three actor, my three actors, which is going to be a director, a producer, and an actor in uh, playing those parts. And uh, I called up my buddy, Austin, who is, uh, uh my go-to DP and he's like, I told him the idea. He's like, well, you know, I'm there. So, uh, and then we found the sound guy like a week before we left. We have, um, we found this Kyle, which is an amazing location sound guy. And he brought all his gear and I just pitched every, I just p- pitched him and anybody who I pitched to come help, I go, look, um, I don't even know what this is going to be like. I don't know what movie we're going to have at the end of this. This is as far out on the limb as you're going to go as a, as a creative filmmaker or being part of it, that team. But I can't promise you this, that in 20 years you will have a story hmm. about that movie you shot at Sundance. <laughs> and, uh, and it pretty much worked almost every time um, to get people to come, come along. I'm like, hey, you'll get this, and you'll get to, go to come to Sundance, and, and we have a room for you. 
you know, in this, you know, multi-million dollar freaking condo on the corner of, uh, on the, on the corner of Ego and Desire. No. Yeah. Um, by the way, that is the reason the name, the, the reason that the movie is called On the Corner of Ego and Desire is because uh, this year Sundance had words splattered all around uh, Park City. Okay. You know, like, you know, hustle and challenge and, you know, yearning and all these kind of like words. And when I walked out of our condo, I looked up and we were on the corner of ego literally. and desire. Wow. And were you, were I literally, you tempted literally, to take said, a lawn chair right by the hustle one and just spend the like time there? Oh, the hustle one's <laughs> yeah. in the movie. The hustle one is in the movie. <laughs> we, I, I, do, I do have one that's, uh, that says hustle somewhere in the movie. Of course you do. Um, you have to. <laughs> of course you do. You have to. It's on brand. It's on point. That's yes. right. No, so... <laughs> But that so, word doesn't um, belong to you? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's trademarked, right? Yeah, I've trademarked also. Um, so, uh, so we did that. And I, oddly enough, I could not find any actors in L.A. that were willing to go. Because it, it takes a special kind of person to do this. It's a very brave yeah. actor. Yeah. It's um, just like just like the people we know who are like, well, no, I'm SAG. I can't be. I can't be. It's one of those things. That kind of BS. That that yeah. kind of bullshit wouldn't work. Like so, this I had literally had one actor say, "Oh my god, I can't do that. They're going to arrest me." Uh, yep. And I'm like, "You are so not. A, you're so not with what we're doing. So it's no. all good. I don't want you to come." Um. So I literally had to call New York. <laughs> so <laughs> all of my actors. Are New York actors? I had a friend of mine because that's how New York part rolls. Of that. Yep, that's it. send them our way. <laughs> well, I, I, I had I had a I had a, a fan and a tribe member who interviewed me on the show uh, months earlier called Rob Alicia because okay. he wanted to interview me for my show because he wanted to know more about me personally. I guess for the and the tribe yeah. wanted to know more about me. I guess I remember that. So I call yeah, and I called up Rob. I go Rob, look, and I already cast Rob because I wanted Rob to be one of my actors. And I go, Rob, I need, and this is a week, a week before, a week and a half before the, we, we, we left. I didn't have the actors. Oh my God. Um, and I call, and I call him up. I go, Rob, I need, to, I need two actors. Can you get me somebody? He's like, oh, I can get you somebody. Hold on. Mm-hmm. And he sent me like, you know, 10 headshots. I picked out a handful. I called, I called them and I Skyped, I Skype casted them. Mm-hmm. And uh, not by doing lines, but I just literally talked to them. Yeah. They just felt their vibe and see if they were going to work. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I cast Sonia O'Hara and uh, Randy uh, Randy Ramos Jr., who's a stand-up comic, and and uh, Sonia, who's a director in her own right. I cast her as the lead, obviously, because I can't make a movie without a female lead. And um, <laughs> and but I also felt that was I've never seen a movie about the movie industry with a female director ever. Okay. So that's, I was like, that's yeah. the way to go. Like, I've never seen that. I want to do that. I want to, I want to put that image out there. Because I have daughters as well. Yeah. I have twin daughters. So I'm like, okay. I want to put that image out there. I want to put out a, a female director out in the world. But mind you, she is the craziest director you've ever met in your entire life. <laughs> she is a basket nutcase, which I love her for. She's wonderful. Not her personally as the actress, but as the character. Yeah. She, and the stuff that would come out of her mouth was the most pretentious stuff you've ever heard, which is exactly what I wanted. And we worked on the character together. We worked, all the actors worked with their character and we just kind of ran with it and we just showed up. And day one, we like sit down and like, all right, guys, 
we're going to go make a movie. Now, I had a structured script, and I wrote the script, mm. script mint, yeah. uh, which mm-hmm. was a very structured outline. Which, which was my next and, question, um, how much script versus improv was this? There was most, there was, I'm going to say improv was probably about 80 to 90%, okay. and then there was about 10% that was dialogue. But as we were shooting, I would throw lines at them. Yeah. I would throw topics at them, and I, and I would go do this and riff off that. So we kind of worked on it together while we were shooting. And it was just three. Pe- it was four people. A friend of mine named Straw came along, who's like done forty or fifty or sixty features in his life as a director. So mm-hmm. he's like, "I just want to go to Sundance. Can I? Can I crash?" I'm like, "Sure." <laughs> and like all of a sudden, I had the most overqualified PA slash first AD ever. Just because Straw was to wonderful. Sun- so hey, it's a good. It's he, a just because he wanted to go to Sundance, and he and then when I told him what I was doing, he's like, "Oh God, I want to be a part of this. Oh please, 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 please go let me go." <laughs> and I'm like, "Sure, sure, you can come." And uh, so that was it. Was a four man crew, um, and uh, it was just me, my DP, uh, the sound guy, and Straw, and and the cast. Yeah. And we literally just started running around Sundance Park City mm. and started shooting, and we shot the whole thing on the pocket camera, the Black Magic pocket yeah. camera, 1080p. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, with a monopod. Uh, for all the geeks in the audience, I shot with a Sigma 18 to 35, mm. a Anjanew 12 to 120, old old vintage lens. Yeah. And we also shot with a vintage Canoptic 5.7. Wow! Which is I I call it the Kubrick. Yes. Because it's the little <laughs> yeah. it's the little brother of the lens that he shot, uh, Clockwork Orange, The Shining with, which is it's basically a wide angle lens that yeah, does not that's fish the, out. Um, that's the uh, 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 the labyrinth. Lens, right in the labyrinth scene. The labyrinth lens. Uh, yeah. The, that eight millimeter the re- the or record six store. millimeter that he used. Yeah, it's a nine point eight. It's a nine point eight in the thirty-five millimeter world. Okay. Um, and yeah, he shot the the record store in Clockwork Orange with that okay. as well. If nice. you remember that scene. Yes, I do. So, um, oh, so don't, we shot don't those, do it. So don't we, tempt him with Kubrick. <laughs> no, no, I can. No, rate. I'm a Kubrick fanatic. <laughs> no, I, no, 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 you're outnumbered here, lady. No. you're outnumbered now. I can go deep. Someone save me. I can go deep, but we yeah. won't go deep now. That's another podcast. That's another podcast. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so we went out and we started shooting, and it started to work. <laughs> it was like wow. Sounds good. Looks good. Let's keep going. Mm. And we did. And we shot all around Park City. Uh, and nobody to stopped you. answer your question you. before you answer it. I'm sorry? And nobody stopped you? No pushback. No, no. Everybody like, what are you doing here? Nah. First of all, everybody, anytime we walked into a store, do you want us to turn the music off? <laughs> do, you, do you want us to be in your movie? Everywhere you went. It was fascinating. Oh, my God. I jumped on the bus to shoot scenes on the bus. The uh-huh. bus driver was like, do you need me to turn the music off? Are you good? Could, Do you want me to wait for you? No. I can wait for the next shot. Now, could that be because they're used to people doing documentary type stuff? No. Around no, Sundance? because don't forget Park City. Park City is only film mecca for 10 days out of the well, year. Well, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I mean. That's the what I mean. The rest of it, it is, it, the rest of it is just a sleepy little mountain town. Okay, yeah. so you're so, so these people are actually kind of excited to see you. Oh, they're, oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not like New York or LA. New York even's less than LA. LA, everyone's like, "How much? I, I need, I need yeah, five hundred bucks for you to look at me." We found almost very, very little pushback on us in New York. I think the only time we've we've, we've only been stopped twice in yeah. all the years of filming. Once because they had me down on the ground and they had pipes and shit over my head and so. two by fours yeah, surrounding so, you. All right, the cops showed up and said, "Hey, what are you doing to him?" You know. 
and the other time yeah. was shooting the liter- <laughs> yeah seriously uh, they were they were literally worried for my safety you yeah. know that's the only time and the other time was literally when we were shooting in the middle of central park you know and we yeah, actually yeah, had got, a permit got a little for ballsy. that got yeah. a l- Oh, you did have a permit. We yeah. actually had a permit for that, and a cop still came up and asked us and wanted to check and, and held us up for about 20 minutes. Those are the only times we've ever been stopped by anyone of authority. Now, people on the street who just want to be dicks and show up and honk their horn or turn their music up when they walk by, that, that's that's pretty regular, but... Yeah. But at the same time, we mm-hmm. still have a fair amount of people who are just really yes. excited. They think it's really yes. cool that you're making a movie, and they're just like, "I'm sorry, did I walk through your shot? It's mm-hmm. so cute." Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, but that that was Park City, so yeah. I mean, I literally, I literally have a cop car mm-hmm. making a U-turn in one of my scenes. That's hilarious. <laughs> like it's it was wonderful. We actually shot two scenes in Sundance headquarters. Nice. Wow. Like we walked into Sundance headquarters, shot a scene. I told people to move out of my shot. <laughs> My my DP was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "She's in my shot. I need her. Come on." <laughs> and anytime someone would walk in front of my lens, that you know, because we have no control of anything, I'm like, "God damn it!" He's like, "Dude, we are stealing this. What's wrong with you?" <laughs> um, so, but yeah, we we shot everywhere, and it is it is a beautiful looking little movie. It is in the the sky. I mean, with Park City, all you gotta do is just turn on a camera, and it looks gorgeous. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it's very p- picturesque. It's stunning. It's very picturesque. So you have that with the insanity of uh, three filmmakers going around um, Sundance in 24 hours because mm-hmm. they lose their Airbnb, <laughs> of course. Um, they steal $100,000 from their, the producer steals $100,000 from his mom's retirement account to go make the movie, <laughs> which God. is a which is a black and white movie. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> which is a black and white movie that shots mostly in slow-mo and it's Shape of Water meets E.T. Oh, no. with Transformers drizzled on top. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm in love right now. The, the most ambitious and, and the, black and white film ever. No, no, uh, yes. And, and the most important thing to uh, Sonya's character is that uh, she gets to be part of the Criterion Collection. Wow. So oh, okay. there's that. It is the most pretentious, th- like basically every mistake, every myth you've ever heard of mm. a filmmaker doing, I threw it in this. And I wanted this movie to be kind of like a this is spinal tap nah. for <laughs> filmmakers. And that's exactly what it turned into. I mean, I break the fourth wall. I, I do everything. I do homages to different kind of filmmaking styles mm. in it. I shot black and white. I shot color. I didn't care. And, and you know, and I wanted to make it the look of the film to be very like a super 16 90s independent films. Nice. Okay. Uh, so it has that very grimy kind of, not grimy, but it has that grainy um, film look yeah. Yeah. to it. And, uh, and it, was, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And uh, we shot it in about four days mm-hmm. and uh, about 36 hours total because we were, we were still shooting interviews. I shot like five or six interviews. Yeah. And so it was like we did the movie on the side. No, <laughs> of our main purpose of going this, there. This was just the side and, hustle. Yes, <laughs> I mean it. It was. It was. It was great. It was. It, I can't explain to you. Like people would just show up. They needed to show up. You know, I have one of my actors, Robert Peters, who we had someone else cast at, at, as his part at, at, at his part, and he was just staying with us in the condo. And he, and I'd known him, but I knew he was an actor, but I didn't know what you know what he'd done or anything. And mm-hmm. he kept like, "Hey, man, can I be in your movie?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, I'll find something for you. But right now, I don't. You know, there'll be a party scene. Maybe we could throw you in there or something." And then, like, you know, he kept hounding us to be in the movie. And then this one guy, this one, uh, we could not get this one ca- uh, actor to to come on. Um, 
And we're like, oh, and this is a major character in the movie. And then Adam goes, well, why don't you use Robert? I'm like, all right, sure. I'm sure he's a good actor. He's like, dude, look him up. <laughs> and I looked him up. He'd worked with Spielberg, Cameron, oh my God. Soderbergh. <laughs> He's been in like he was Catch Me If You Can, Ocean's Eleven, oh my God. and not like a background, not like a background actor, like an actor in the movie <laughs> oh my with God. scenes with Clooney and stuff. And I'm like, what the? F- Why did you guys tell me this? He's like, I go, Robert, do you want to go? Yeah, man, I'll do it, no problem. Um, and, and he did it, and he killed it. It was wonderful, awesome. So these kind of like this, like every door opened. Like the universe was there to help mm-hmm. in any way they could along the way. It's amazing when so, you get one of those blessings from 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 high up above the film gods. They 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 move yeah. the clouds and they just give you that golden light for like a minute. And it's like the that's why that's why we're all coming back for this, you know? <laughs> that's the fix that no, we're all true. chasing. I mean, this- I mean, it really is an, an experience because it was so fast. Yeah. I, I it doesn't even seem real. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem real. Um, everybody was like, did we just make a movie? Like no one, no one understood what it was, like how we, it, it, it was just amazing. And then when I showed it to the actors, they were like, holy crap, you have a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like they were like shocked, like because no one knew, <laughs> yeah. like everybody was shocked because it was such, you, like I've never been that far out on, on the edge mm-hmm. and it was wonderful and it felt so great because I was just having fun. Everybody was having fun. It was experimental. We were just, you know, having a ball, and it was great. And I, I play, I play myself in the movie, <laughs> um, <laughs> because of course they have to go to a podcast. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, it, in Sundance, which I was like, what am I going to do? Hire someone to play me? That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, or make up a fake podcast? Sure. So I, I make sure I'm as little in the movie as humanly possible, mm. um, and I crop myself out as much as I can. Uh, so yeah. when you see it, you'll 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 notice that. <laughs> um, but I, overall, I didn't do a bad job playing myself. <laughs> Very good. Okay, that's that's good to hear at least, all right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that and, and, so and that was the, and in the future if you ever needed a fake podcast name, you can totally use filmmaking sucks. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I fine appreciate with that. that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, so we we did the movie and uh we just got word that we're in a big festival coming up. I can't name the festival just yet. Congratulations. Um, but thank you so much. We're super excited about it. Uh, and uh, we've got a few, a few other uh, festivals circling, because if there is ever a movie that is built for a festival audience, mm-hmm. it's on the corner of ego and desire. I mean, this is so custom built for yeah. a filmmaking audience. I feel That's like what this I, audience is. The, I feel like this is like made almost for like a slam dance. You know what I'm like? You know, with, with their yes. history. Yeah. You know, it would it would be yeah. like thumbing their nose. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like oh no! Trust, oh, trust me! Oh, trust me! That conversation's already been had, and they, they oh, should yeah. have it. Yeah, nice. So we will, we will see. I mean, honestly, the dream would be to get into Sundance because that of would course. be, oh yeah, the most meta, yeah, thing, I, yeah, ever, ever. I think, I think you're almost in a position where if they don't accept it, they come off as the most pretentious festival in history. <laughs> But the it depends same time. on how much noise I can make. Yeah. It depends if, on how much noise I can make about I, the movie. I don't expect you to be quiet. <laughs> You're not a... But, 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 <laughs> no, no, but to look, be fair... This is what needs to happen well, if you well, don't well, get into Sundance. Sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, one thing, one thing I have to say, Sundance retweeted me. Oh. They, ret- they retweeted me about the movie. Nice. Because I had a picture of myself 
doing the yelling stance that I do, but with my camera yeah. out in front of the Egyptian, freezing my ass off. <laughs> and and they and they retweeted the picture. Oh and my I goodness! I was like, oh, no, <laughs> they know. Oh. And I was like, and then of course I turned into like the twenty-year-old filmmaker. Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my I god! Yeah. I can't wait for you to see my movie. <laughs> it's gonna be so great. Oh my god! So it's in my Twitter feed somewhere. You guys will find it. I, I, I gotta find it. that. Uh, it's just like I geeked out for a second. Then I like took a picture. I have a picture of it. I took a picture on my phone. I just snapped it. I'm like, this is never going away. At least I have this. this I is, can hold on to this. This is where you uh, where, where you get a call from them for Sundance. They tell you to come on out. They bring you into a little dark room, a single light sticking right, in the middle like, of the room, like, and they circle you for a few minutes, <laughs> and they grill you about it. And then Robert, Robert Redford comes in with a bat. It's like this whole scene from Untouchables. So it's it's good. So you made a movie without my permission at my festival, huh? And then De Niro sticks at the his head end in of the, the day. The De Niro sticks his head in and says, if you think Tribeca's taking this, you're out of your fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, I have this, the opposite the vision of, the of like Ocean's Eleven where they kind of corner you in that room <laughs> and then you climb through the, the ventilating, like the AC, and get sure, your sure, way sure. out and like twist it all around. Sorry, go ahead. I might, I, have to, I, might have to, I might have to lose some weight, but I'll do the best I can. <laughs> um, no, but... Um, but at the end of the day, though, this movie is a love letter to Park City. It's a love letter to Sundance. Mm-hmm. I don't say anything negative about no. Sundance. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I, I'm honest about the experience of going to Park City during the festival, yeah. which is funny as hell. Um, you know, because there's a lot of things, a lot of things that only people who go to Sundance will understand, and then even people who don't go have never been will understand that you got to be careful with this yeah. when you get there. It's not all you know, peaches and cream. Yeah. But yeah. overall, it's a huge love letter to Sundance, to Park City, uh, and also to filmmakers and, and the craziness that we are doing. And, you know, we're, we're nuts. We're all nuts. Oh, yeah. And I wanted to create that, that piece of cinema for just my audience. And people already asked me, well, are you worried it's not going to get a wider, like more people are outside of the industry are going to see? I'm like, I really don't care. I, this is built for filmmakers. It's built for screenwriters. It's built for people in this industry, mm. and that's all. That was my audience. Yeah. If anyone outside of the audience watches it, finds it, great. But I made it specifically for an audience, so I found my niche, my filmmaking yeah. niche, and and it was an audience that I I already know and I have, uh, you know, a, 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 a an audience that with. follows me. Yeah. So I have a relationship with that audience. So I, I know that this is going to be uh, hopefully well received. Every filmmaker who's seen it. Mm-hmm. has pissed themselves. <laughs> so every filmmaker I've shown this movie to, they're just like, oh my God. <laughs> like this, like I, this is everything I've ever heard of. And the funny thing is like I've worked with that crazy director. Like I know directors like that. Yeah. I know producers like that. Yeah. I know actors like that. Like it's, it's, it's pretty insane. Um, I can't wait to see it. it, it <laughs> I'm excited. It's, it's, it's it's really it's it's the closest thing to my DNA that I've ever made. Nice, without question. That's awesome. Even though it's not the genre that I I've liked before. Yeah. But I love this kind of storytelling. I love this kind of film. Uh, and when people see it that know me, they go, "Oh my God, you are all over this." Yeah. Because there's scenes in the movie that I took straight out of my life. Yeah. You know, walking, it's like you, you walking just plug alone. the camera into your brain. Pretty much, like you know, people are like how how did you write it so fast? I wrote it in about a week, yeah. like literally. I mean, I'm like I've been writing this for 25 years. Exactly. Yeah. That's like, what I was I, gonna I, say. Like I didn't have to write this. I lived it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I I mean, there's scenes where um, I literally taken from my life where I, you know, have you ever been so close to your dream and get it ripped out right in front of you? 
Like literally, like yep. you are there. You have it in your hand and someone comes in and goes, nope, nope. not you. Not, not, not your time. Nope. Not your time. Nope. And, DiCaprio and, gets it and this time. There's a, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but that scene is in the movie. And, you know, there's scenes of, you know, the, the, the filmmaker walking at three o'clock in the morning down Main Street, wondering what the hell am I doing with my life? Okay. We've all that's been there. Me. Yeah. That's me in 2006. That's me in 2006. Yeah. Literally walking after sneaking into some party with Paris Hilton in it, mm-hmm. um, you know, back in the day. Back when she mattered. Uh, and I'm walking around. When she mattered, right? <laughs> um, but um, but I, I would walk down the street just figuring out, like, what am I doing with my life? Like, what is this? Like, it's what am I doing? So there is, there's so much of me in this movie. So I think, I, I hope that, I hope filmmakers and the audience that I built it for love it. And mm-hmm. that's all I can ever hope for. Awesome. I'm excited. I'm super excited to see it. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, we have a list here. Is there, what, what else is on the list? No, the list. Yeah. Cause like that was like, all right. Yeah. That was, that was awesome. I was like, okay, great. Let's just call <laughs> that. Perfect. Okay. So these are just my generic questions that I would like feel weird following up that really great personal, wonderful story. All right. I can edit and move it all around. Excellent. It do can that. happen wherever I want it. To. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, me, I, I think it's, you know, cause you're honest, like we are. So, you know, one of the things, you know, I said it, you know, when we first started was, you know, we like to talk about the kind of the mistakes that we've made and lessons that we've learned from okay. them. Uh, what's one of the biggest mistakes that kind of shaped your career or, or, you know, that you would never do again, I guess. Um, I hate I to call them never... mistakes, but yeah. Yeah. No mistakes. Learning, <laughs> learning, uh, learning pellets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the biggest thing I would, man, that's there's so many. I know. <laughs> there's there's so many things. You can do two um, or three. From, yeah. I mean, stopping myself, stopping myself from doing something that I knew I was capable of doing because of fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was one. That's one big one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, allowing. Allowing myself to wait for permission to create my art. Oh, the permission, that word. Oh. Yeah. But the thing is that we are in the most one of the most expensive art forms yes, on the planet. Absolutely. Yeah. And it is an it's extremely expensive and you need a manpower and you need a lot of people to get together to, to create your art. I, it's not a paintbrush and a, and a canvas. I, it's not a, a nope. guitar. It's an army. It's just it, something. This is the only art form where you physically cannot do it by yourself. It just cannot be really, done. Yeah. That and ar- that and architecture. Yeah, well, <laughs> pretty much. Those are the two, the, the, the two big ones. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's basic. That's basically it. And and uh, I decided to late in late in my career, mm. uh, not hopefully late in life, but late in the in the journey, um, I decided not to allow myself to wait for other people to give me permission to do what I want to do. Mm. And, and because I've always been on the outside, I've always. I've always been looking in to the party, but I've never been invited in. I've I've snuck in a couple times. Yeah. I've been As around the party yeah. a couple times. Um, you know, you do you do meet people who are at the party, uh, but you are never officially invited. And since I've never been officially invited, I've always been on the outside. I've always been on the street, if you will. Yeah. And you've got to do things your own way. You've got to do things outside of the way other people do it. And that's why making. Um, making this is Meg and now making on the corner of ego and desire uh, in the way in the fashion that I do is the only way I can do it 
Uh, and again, I have a toolbox that I've built up over the course of 20 odd years um, that allow me to do what I do, you know, that I can go out and make a movie pretty much almost whenever I want. Mm. You know, yeah. I can I could take two or three. I can make two or three grand. And I can go tell. I got three or four of them in my head yeah. right now that I can go shoot whenever I want. I could grab a few actors, grab a couple friends. I'm like, hey, let's go make this movie, man. We'll, you know, let's, we'll shoot it in four or five days. Yeah. Let's go. Just do it. Just get um, it done. Yeah. And, it, and it'll get done and you'll express yourself. But oddly enough, I'm also able to make money with them. I'm able to show other people. Uh, to learn from my mistakes, to learn from my my uh, not only failures but from my wins as well, and my successes, mm. um, what can be done, and if yeah. I can do it, anyone can do it, yeah. you know. And that's that's the that's the big lesson I hope people take away from it. Yeah, Mark Duplass had that great um his keynote speech of uh, South by Southwest. Oh, the three dollars mandatory, oh, mandatory God, for is. every every filmmaker. <laughs> yep. Mandatory for every filmmaker. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the three dollars short $3 film. film. I, I, oh God, I love it. And we've made this yeah, three dollars. I, I just heard him we've talk. I just heard him talk. Uh, actually, he was on the podcast. He didn't know he was on my podcast, but he's on my <laughs> podcast um, because I recorded him uh, at, a, at a lecture that he did, a book signing. And I never got to meet him because the book signing people were horrible. But um, everybody, no one got to meet him. They just went up and talked. So I was like, well, well fuck it. I'm going to record him. And right. I did. And now they're on my podcast. So there's an episode of the Duplass Brothers talking about their journey. Nice. But they they're very inspirational. Yes. Uh, and the way they do what they do. And they are very an anomaly in the industry because they really don't play by anybody else's rules. And now they have enough success behind them um, that they can do whatever they want pretty much. Mm -hmm. uh, because they also don't – they've been offered a Marvel movie and they said no. Like they were offered. They literally were offered to make a Marvel movie. I had a conversation very similar in that in that vein with someone recently at a festival. Another filmmaker we met. Um, uh, we spent the you know spent the whole weekend hanging out with this with this guy. His first feature was out and premiering at the festival and everything it was great. And we were at lunch and 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 we were just talking about what we want to do in our careers and kind of got on that subject. And I said I can't ever see myself doing like a $150 million movie. Like I can't see that ever being a desire for me. You know, uh, I, I, my personal like end goal, I'd like to be somewhere. I'd, I'd like to be like the, the bloom house that the two to $5 million horror film. And if I could do that the rest of my career, I think that would be, that'd be the, the, the height. I'd be like, that's it. That's, that's absolute highest for me. I think hitting that $150 million there's so much in that mm. and there's so many more voices you know uh, there's there's a reason the marvel films all work is because it doesn't matter who you stick in that director's chair in the end it's it's a machine mm. marvel's a machine that just churns out one after another and the directors are more of a selling point to uh god knows who rather than actually to get the film done you know, um, I mean, I, I, for me, for me, I would say that uh, if I ever am blessed with that scenario where someone's offering me a large property to direct, mm -hmm. um, whether it be Marvel or DC or <clears throat> anything like that, uh, I would want to go down the road that okay. Nolan went down. 
and de- right. and, and deconstruct the, deconstruct the the character and bring it back down to his elements or whatever. I think I'd but like the, a DC because movie. No. A DC movie would be nice, and Marvel is what I don't. Well, so no, that's the problem. Everybody's been offering you the everyone, theoretical Marvel movie. The theor- the yes, they're theoretically offering me. That's Marvel. your problem. That's your problem. It's like it's Kevin Feige just keeps calling you. And you're like, no, dude, I, I just can't. Right I, there's now. just not enough people uh, no. dying in the movie. Sorry, there's not there's enough, the, not enough but, death. But, but no, if, if but if ever given that opportunity, I think what Kubrick did and what Nolan does now, mm. they are probably one of the handful of directors who can play in the sandbox of the studios, but yet maintain the creative control to do what they want. And who doesn't want bigger toys to play with as a storyteller if you're trying to tell larger stories that reach a larger audience? Yeah. I, I've said that Nolan is the new Kubrick. He totally is. He's Nolan is totally no, there was, the, the Kubrick new Kubrick. No, Kubrick wasn't an... Yeah, yeah, Nolan is the current day Kubrick in that sense. Um, Kubrick, I mean... What he did was, there's very Eastwood does it now. Mm. You know, he does basically whatever he wants. Yeah, and and he has a studio, uh, you know, studio budget all the time with all the main actors yeah. and so on and so forth. And that's the dream. It would be nice to be able to live in that world to have that kind of control within having that kind of budget. Uh, will it happen? I don't know. But maybe one day. And 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 if it did, I, I would be open to it. But. Um, but doing a Marvel movie, which is one of my dreams, I would love to do an actual Marvel movie if I can deduce because I'm a Marvel, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a comic book geek. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. It would be really interesting because that is a lot like what du- the Duplass brothers said. Like, look, I don't want to spend three years of my life hmm. on this movie and then have to answer to 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 people dealing with it because you've got a huge property under your belt. You know, it's, and, it's, and it's a lot of pressure. My- I, that's where my dissension comes. It's the 50 people you have to answer to when it's done. That's the dissension in, in me anyway. That having too many what other... I love, what I love about this conversation is that how ridiculous we all are right now. <laughs> 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 this is what I find so fascinating. I'm talking about like this will ever happen. Yeah, you know, You're talking about it like it will ever happen. Like this is a problem in our life. <laughs> that, you know, I really want to do a Marvel movie, but I don't know. There's just so much pressure. There's just too like much this loophole. is a conversation. I love that this conversation is happening, so everyone out there could hear how ridiculous we are yep. and how ridiculous filmmakers are. Because I had a serious conversation with you about it, and you had a serious conversation with me Absolutely. about this. Like, and we're like, you know, Marvel, it's a machine. I don't know. Where if Kevin Feige called you right now and said, Bullshit. "Hey, Bullshit. man," I'd say yes in like, a heartbeat. I'd say, you know what, dude, you're on <laughs> drugs, and I'll take them. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do this. Guardians of Galaxy 5. Someone's dying. Someone's dying. Everybody has balls in a theoretical conversation. That's what it is. Everybody's got guts to say no to $150 million theoretically. And And what I love about it is that what I love about it is that is the perfect example of what filmmakers do, independent filmmakers yep. do. We have these. These uh, these conversations constantly with either within ourselves mm. or with other filmmakers, yeah. and these kind of ridiculous conversations yeah. <laughs> where sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes we get so far up our own ass. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that we can't even see the light of day. And that is who my main character is, and on the corner of ego and desire. Beautiful. I was going to say, are, are we writing the sequel right now? That's it. This is. <laughs> well, yeah, the sequel is going to be in Toronto, nice. and then the, the 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 third part will be in South by. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, if he ever comes to Tribeca, you know, we're here. So we'll, we'll do the spinoff of the Brooklyn <laughs> Horror Film Festival. Yeah, there we go. We'll do the spinoff series. <laughs> we'll take it into the horror realm. <laughs> So uh, uh, my so so to be a little specific about that now, you, uh, I because I, I, I think we all kind of we all uh, um, we all sympathize with that same feeling of not getting in your own way because you don't realize it till right. it's too late. So um, more specifically, then is there something you did when you were shooting Meg that you said when you started the next they started the ego and desire you said okay we're not doing this again. You know, something that... Yeah, it was going to be... It, it was going to be... Well, first of all, what allowed me to do This Is Meg in the style that I did it and mm. on the corner of Ego's Desires, I let go. Mm. I completely let go. I, and I use this analogy all the time. I'm not the first to say it, but, you know, we are... Life is a river and we're generally walking up it. Mm. We're never going with the flow. It's just rare well, that you find people that go flow. with the flow. Yeah, why would you do that? <laughs> right. But the thing is... But the thing is that once you do... Like at the end of the day, you're going to get tired, you're going to fall down, and the river's going to take you where it's going to take you. And that's the path that the universe has set upon for you, that you, you have the free will to jump back and forth wherever you want. But you generally have a general direction where you're going. And sometimes it's better for you to just go with the flow. Because if you go against the flow, it generally doesn't work out really well. I found in my life, at least with my life experience. So, And I've been going against the flow for 20 years, trying to do trying to hack the film industry and trying to hustle in it and all this kind of stuff to try to get in. It didn't work. But the second I said, you know what, I'm just going to let go and, and just go. And I sat down and I let the river take me where it took me. And all of a sudden these doors just flew open from Meg, from Indie Film Hustle, now on the corner of Ego and Desire. There's a bunch of other stuff that I can't talk about right now that's happening. Um, all because I let go. And it takes bravery and a little stupidity to let go. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, a bravery. It really does take a, a certain amount of courage to let go because you don't know where you're going to end up. And that is where you might fail, you might succeed, you might get hurt, you might not get hurt, but that freedom, that courage to let go does give you an immense amount of freedom to do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And if you're just flowing with it, like, look, man, I showed up to Sundance with a camera yep. and a dream. I'm not kidding you. Like, literally, I had an outline. It's awesome. <laughs> but I didn't even know if it was going to make, I, I was like, can I please get to 75 minutes? Please get to 75 <laughs> minutes. Please, please get to 75 minutes. Like, because I'm like, at this, if it's 60 minutes, I'm fucked. Yeah, I can't, can't go back. No. It, yeah. I, you know, there's no reshoots. No. I, I, whatever I get, I get. I, I was working with three actors I've never met before personally. My DP, I was the only guy I'd really worked with before. The sound guy, any part of that team that gave me issues, attitude, problems, it would have been over. Yeah. But I let go. I just let go and I did it. And because of that, it just, everything opened up. So to answer that quite long, long, long story short for your <laughs> answer is I let go. I just let go. That was the thing that I did. And now I do, now I do that in my entire life. Mm. I generally now don't go against the grain. Whatever my gut is telling me, yeah. whatever is, you know, I, I, I generally, don't get me wrong, I'm not like, you know, where am I going to eat today? No, I'm like, I'm not like crazy. But, but generally speaking, when it comes to my art, my career, my life in general, like, you know, I was looking for a home. It was taking forever to find one. We just let go mm. and something happened. You know, uh, something, we want to get into this place. We want to do that. It'll happen. If it's supposed to happen, 
it'll happen. Now, I'm not saying sit at home and wait for the door to, 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 to someone to knock at the door, but I'm saying within what you do on a daily basis, working towards that goal, let go. And, it, and things open up for you. I, I, I promise you it will. I love that. Yeah. Just let go. Just, and, and it's, it's, so I say just do it. Just get out there and do it. Stop. It's, stop waiting for permission. Stop waiting for the right situation. Yeah. Stop writing, waiting for the, you need the perfect camera with the perfect actress. Just, just get out there and just, just fucking do it. That was our that was our second episode yep. ever. Yeah, just that do was it. Our second, just do it. <laughs> just get it. Just yep. get the yeah, damn movie it, done. As simple as it. I know it sounds simple, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. Yep. It is that simple. It's both simple and, and hard. I think, <laughs> it is. It is extremely hard. It's it, look. It took me twenty odd years. Yeah. to do it. it. I mean, I'm I was forty one when I made my first feature. So, you know, it's. It took me a while to figure that out. Mm -hmm. But once I got the courage, once I found out that when I stepped out on that ledge, there was something there to hold me. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh, I can live out here. And that's what I do now on a daily basis. Well, now I live out on desire. the edge. <laughs> I live on the corner of ego and desire. It is a wonderful place to be. And I don't have any, I don't have any fear anymore. And now when you have no fear, you become very dangerous. As an artist, yeah. as a creative force, yeah. as a business person, if you have no fear, it becomes very, very, you become a very dangerous human being, which is a good thing. So I have a semi-controversial question, I oh. guess. Okay. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I'm very interested because one of the things, you know, like I said, we've listened to you, you know, for a long this time. This is where she wanted to start. <laughs> wanted to start no, the I didn't even think of this question until like we actually started having look, these I need, conversations. I look, I need... Uh, Look, look, I needed the money. I was young. I didn't know any better. I don't know how the goat got in the back seat. I don't know. Hey, you and Stallone, too. Yeah. You and Stallone, both. Right, exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs> Go ahead. Ask away. Um, no, I mean, because we've been listening to you for a long time. And, you know, there's there's a number of filmmaking podcasts. I know you guys are shocked. I'll hear this. There's a number of filmmaking there, podcasts there are out others. there. <laughs> The hell you said. Um, right. And I feel like with you, it's never really been. There's been a number of fil of podcasts that kind of have this like uh, they 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 continue that Hollywood dream, towing the, the towing the line, towing the line where it's like you know you're yeah. you're explaining you know what it means to have drinks with somebody and what level of, of drinks versus yeah. dinner versus coffee. Um, you're talking about sure. you know all the networking events and the it's handshaking, the mm -hmm. and I've I've never really felt that much with you, and I'm just curious as <laughs> no. to you know how much that that has played a part or not played a part for you in in. Uh, for me, man, I'll tell you. Look, I, I played that game a little bit. It is the game. It's the Hollywood yeah, the game. game. And and, uh, and it's a game. It's a game. It's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. It's a game. Um, I never. I, I, I tried playing it. I'm very bad at that game, mm -hmm. so I don't play it. As I got older, I really don't play it. So now, um, because of indie film hustle um, and because of other things that I do within the industry, um, people usually either reach out to me or come to me and I'm not being I'm not saying that in an arrogant way mm -hmm. I'm just saying that I'm just doing me I'm doing what I do yeah. and if somebody else wants to play with me in my sandbox come over mm -hmm. and talk yeah. uh, or if I could help them with their project in one way shape or form great but I'm not like I need to get this business card and I need to contact and I need to do these networking meetings I don't do that but to be fair, you do need to meet people. Yes. Of you course. do need to make relationships. Absolutely. How you make them is the difference. Yeah. So for me, 
Indie Film Hustle, and you guys will learn this as well as you continue to go forward with your podcast, allows you to open up to and get access to people that you would have never had access to. So sometimes I'll, I want to talk to somebody. So I reached out to uh, I, Jim Wools, who wrote Fight Club. Right. And and I, I, I called you. I, I tweeted Jim. I hate saying that, but I tweeted Jim. Yeah. Um, Scary, and but it Jim works. Tweeted me ba- oh. And tweeted me back. And then Jim was on my podcast. And uh, since then, Jim and I, we know we, 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 we talk, yeah. you know, you know, we talk back and forth and um, I don't hang out with him on weekends, but we have a, you know, we have a, a, a cordial relationship. If mm-hmm. I need to call Jim, I can call Jim. Yeah. I would have never had that access without the podcast. Yeah. I would have never had that. And then all of a sudden those relationships starts building into something else and something else. And sometimes he needs help from me. Sometimes I need help from him and so on and so forth. On all these relationships, the biggest thing I could give as part of advice is concern as far as building relationships with people in the industry is this. Don't go into a relationship asking for anything. Yeah. Offer what you could do for them first. Yeah. When you meet somebody, how can I help you? Not, hey, can you help me? Mm-hmm. Because that's not the way the world works. You know, you don't go on a date the first in the first five seconds like, so are we sleeping together or what? <laughs> like that doesn't, that's generally not the way it works. Offer, a, be of service to that person in one way, shape or form. And that's how the business, that's how relationships will, will come about. So I, I, when I interview people a lot of times, I'm already becoming of service to them because yeah. I'm opening them up to my, to my audience platform, and yeah. I'm providing them. Yeah, you have a platform I'm providing for them, exactly. them a, Correct. Um, and then as as our relationship either grows or builds, if it does, we continue to help each other mm. in one way, shape, or form. Whether it's a, fo- a phone call, an email, a contact I need, or they need something else, or they need someone to, hey, do you know any other podcasts? Of course I do. Filmmaking sucks. It's awesome. <laughs> um, but um, uh, do you have any other podcasts I can go on, or you know, can you help me with this? Or of course. So that's the that's how you do it. But I don't play the game. Um, and I think a lot of people will get caught up in that stupidity mm-hmm. for a long time. But also, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's different, man. Every like I, I was just literally talking to a friend of mine who is a TV writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's and he's been in the machine. And they're way different. For fifty years, is way different. Oh. We we right. we it's know a, a lot of world, TV but, out but, in New York. There's a lot of people in TV out here, and they're very different beasts than the filmmakers. That's what I've found anyway. Right. It's a complete, not in a bad it's a way. Completely different. Just beast. different. No, no, just a different thing. But the thing is that they live within the machine. Yeah. And when I tell them what I'm doing, they're just like, "Oh my god, that is <laughs> terrifying." <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that's not where they come from. No. So, um. I, I would I would say that, you know, it depends on the person and depends on what kind of person they are. I've always been able to hustle. I've always been able to be an entrepreneur. I've only had two jobs in my entire life that I was a salary paying guy mm. after college and was fired oh, from bless. both promptly. Um, <laughs> and because I, I because I'm an entrepreneur at heart, I'm a person who likes working for himself yeah. uh, and doing his own thing. And that's that's my DNA. That's not everyone's DNA. So some people are much better in that world. Some people are schmoozers. Oh, yeah. Some people are like, hey, how you doing? And they thrive in that environment. They're born of the silver tongue, But for me, tongue, it didn't work really. out. Yeah. That's what I like to right. say. They, and, they and just it's smooth not a, into it, the conversation and just get it going. It's amazing. I don't have that I, look, skill. You've no idea how many people in my life that I've met during my journey that have been those guys mm-hmm. who know everybody. Mm-hmm. 
They just know everybody because that's what they do. That is their job and they're good at it. Um, but it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. So like, just like my path's not for everybody, going down that path of being in the game and trying to work in yourself in the system, and it, it, it's a longer conversation, but just not everybody's path. So you got to be true to who you are yeah. and find out what works for you. If going to those networking meetings and meeting people and building up a, perf- uh, a portfolio of names and contacts that can help you works for you, God bless. But for me, it was going out and making stuff. And, 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 and doing stuff. And that's how I attracted people into my, into my orbit, by, by proving that I can do something. But again, that's me. And, it, and, and there's nothing wrong on either of them. Hmm. It just depends on the path you're walking. No, see, I, I, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a perfect summation, I think, really. I mean, for us, I mean, we like to talk to people who are doers. You know, I've always said there's talkers and there's doers, yeah. you know, and, and, yeah. and you, you never know. know what the doers are doing because they're busy doing, yeah. not talking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very true. <laughs> you know, like you, you did this. You went and you made this movie at Sun- at Sundance. Who knew you were doing it other- until it was done? Yeah, you just went out and did it. Right, right. I, I just, yeah, exactly. When I posted it on the podcast, everyone was like, "What? <laughs> you made like, another movie out of nowhere? Wait, wait, where did this come from? I don't know. I just did it." When when you guys heard it, when you guys heard that podcast, what did you think? You're like, did you hear Alex just made another movie at Sundance? Yeah. Yeah. Like. It, I didn't mention it. I didn't even are are it. you reading our Facebook messages? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> yes, I've hacked in. I've hacked into all my podcast competitions. That's, that's, uh, that's <laughs> the secret. Got it. <laughs> yeah, no, really. I think it's because he works nights and I work days. So I think that was literally in the message that I woke up to one morning. I was like, did you yeah. hear this? <laughs> like, do you hear what yeah, this more, crazy man did? Just, wow. So. But yeah, people were shocked. Yeah. People were absolutely shocked. And then I threw, And then I pump out a trailer for it. And they're like, wait a minute, you have a trailer for this already? <laughs> like, what? And they're like, what happened? Where were you? Like, well, but which Sundance was this? Was this 2017? Because the other Sundance no, just happened this was a just, month ago. This was just now, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, this is, this is, the, this is how we like to do it. That's just the life that you want to live. Always doing something, you know? And, and that's, nice. that's exactly nice. what you did there. You just keep it moving. Always do it. Oh, yeah. Just get it fucking done. You know? Get it done. Exactly. Talk about it later. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly, uh, I think we've been we've been running for a while now. So uh, I, I think as much <laughs> as I'm sure we could we could sit here all day long. <laughs> yes, let's we're, absolutely we're give some without, without ears question. A break. <laughs> yes, thank you for listening to our ramblings yeah, for the last uh, almost two hours. <laughs> uh, seriously, and uh, uh, really, thank you for thank you for coming on this and having us. Uh, yeah, it's it, on our show. This it's is awesome excellent. to have another doer up there for yeah. the rest of us down here. That I appreciate are just doing. that. I appreciate that. So, uh, hey, congratulations on all your success uh, and all the you. stuff thank you guys you. are doing, same, man. You're hustling hard, you, man. man. I can't wait to see uh, ego and desire. Uh, so, what what do you want to let everybody know? Give it your uh, here, here's your uh, uh, straight up promotion moment. <laughs> oh, straight up promotion because I'm very shy, so yeah, I don't well, know well. how to do this. But um, the uh, if you guys want to check me out, uh, obviously indiefilmhustle.com uh, is the hub for everything. Uh, our pod, the podcast I run, our Indie Film Hustle podcast, which you can find on iTunes or anywhere else that podcasts are heard, as well as the Bulletproof Screenplay podcast, which is dedicated to, film, uh, to screenwriters. And uh, we've got a, a ton of stuff coming up in the near future as well. And uh, that that's basically it. Mm-hmm. And if you want to check out my work as a director, you can go to alexferrari.com. Mm-hmm. And this is Meg is on Hulu. 
Um, yeah, this is well. yeah. Thank you. You see, I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> this is Meg is on Hulu until the end of October, uh, and it's available on iTunes and Amazon and all that kind of good stuff as well. Okay. And then on the corner of Ego and Desire, uh, we'll be announcing the the festival we got into um, next week as of this recording. Okay. And then um, and then we'll see where it goes from there. We'll hopefully. It's been painful just sitting on it for it's the six worst. months. It's been driving me nuts. It's the worst. Oh. But I, th- I would have normally not done that. Yeah. But because of the kind of movie it is, I have to give it its opportunity at the festivals. Yeah. It's just, it just it's yeah, it's, dumb it's, if it's I ca- don't. Yeah, exactly. Like you said earlier, it's catered to that audience. It's exactly what festival yeah. audiences want to see. So right, and if it was, and if it was, if if it was like a This Is Meg, I would have never. I would have already released it by yeah. now. I would have self-distributed. I would have, I wouldn't have cared about the festivals. But this this film needs a festival and I want I wanted to get out there. That's part of exactly what you said. You, you have to know your audience, you have to know who they are and this is yeah, this film the film festival audience is the audience for that film. So that's where it's got to go. I love that we're like this is straight yep. promotion time. Now we're going to interrupt and and agree with you. <laughs> At least we're agreeing. I appreciate that. At least that. we're agreeing. You guys are like my you're like my flavor flakes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, guys, so much for having me on. I appreciate it. It was an absolute ball talking to you. Thank you for coming on. So uh, that's going to do it this week for the Filmmaking Sucks podcast. Check out Alex Ferrari at everything that you just heard him say and you heard us repeat. Um, uh, Join our indie indie filmmaker community on Facebook. Follow the Horror Happens radio show for all of your horror and genre film festival needs because JK does that just for you. Um, uh, production next production next.com slash filmmaking sucks and check out their uh, their production software and get yourself three free months off of that otherwise thank you for listening hope you got something out of this get out there everybody and make your films keep hustling that, that, that's that's a that was by the way you can't say hustle that's trademarked I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs>